Hello and welcome to the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. I'm Siobhan Booth and I am your host. This podcast is for anyone with an interest in mental health, overcoming anxiety and building confidence. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. I hope you've had a good week. I'm really excited about this episode because it was really, really interesting to write and to think about. Um, So I'm going to be talking today about mind over matter. I'm going to be talking about what it is. And I'm also going to be talking about whether or not it's actually a good idea. Now, the reason I found this particularly interesting um, is because of a conversation I had with another healthcare professional recently. I was talking about my marathon training at the moment. So for those of you who don't yet follow me on social media, um, I'm doing the virtual London Marathon on the 4th of October. So at the moment, I'm really gearing up towards my final stages of training for it. Now, it's been a bit of a challenge, obviously. Marathon training is quite a long distance. But I've not found it too bad. I'm in a pretty good headspace about it. Um, I've been training for quite a long time for it. So I'm feeling quite good about it. And during the course of this conversation, I said in quite a flippant way, oh, well, it's just mind over matter, isn't it? And over the years, I've learned so many ways of controlling my mind that I never really expected to have any problems with the training anyway. And it wasn't until later on when I was actually running a half marathon, which was the virtual Manchester half marathon, that I had a bit more time to think about mind over matter. Um, well, I had quite a lot of time to be honest because I'm, I'm not very fast. Um, but I had a bit of time to think about it and actually think about what it means, what it means when we say that phrase and whether or not it is that simple or that easy and whether it's actually always a good idea. So first of all, I'm going to talk about what do we actually mean when we say mind over matter. Now, whenever I've heard this phrase used, it always seems to be kind of using your mental fortitude really to overcome some sort of physical pain or barrier and therefore succeed in whatever you're trying to do, even though maybe at some point it seemed maybe impossible or just unlikely to achieve it. So I figured that, like most people, it would be worth Googling this and finding out if that's actually what it means. So I've got here the Oxford Dictionary definition, which is quite simply the use of willpower to overcome physical problems. So I took that to be essentially what I was saying in the first place. Now, I've got some examples of some mind over matter. Um, And one of the most interesting ones actually is something called the placebo effect, which a lot of people have heard of, but not everyone has. So this is where believing something essentially produces some sort of physical change in someone. Now, this is most commonly seen and talked about and is actually accounted for when it comes to things like drug trials. But there are also some quite funny examples of the placebo effect. So a funny example that I found was an experiment that was done in Princeton. And basically the experimenters threw a keg party. What the people who were attending the party didn't know is that they'd actually switched out the kegs and filled them with alcohol-free beer which sounds like a rubbish party, but actually the people at the party didn't know this. They thought that they were drinking normal beer. And what it meant was that despite the fact that there was no alcohol in the beer anyway, they still acted stupid. They were still slurring their speech. Towards the end of the night, some of them were sleeping on the floor. 
they were still performing all the same behaviours that you would expect a drunk person to perform. And it was the placebo effect that made them think they were drunk. And it can be that strong. It is strong enough to alter their behaviour. It's strong enough to make them actually seem like they are drunk. Now, it's quite interesting, actually, because clients, um, particularly my clients, use mind over matter a lot when we use things like hypnotherapy and cognitive behavioural therapy. And it's because they're learning to control their thoughts and their anxiety levels. And what happens over time is this causes a reduction in the symptoms they experience. So we can take somebody who has a particular situation that they find very anxious. So, for example, social anxiety. So we can take a party, we might as well carry on the theme, and we can get them to control their anxiety in that situation. And what it does is it calms down all the physical symptoms. So the heart rate reduces, breathing goes back to normal. So it can have a physical effect. Visualization is another really good example of mind over matter. So this is really helpful again, actually, with clients. So I, I do this quite regularly with clients and we combine it with hypnosis. There's a lot of evidence that practicing an event in your mind actually improves your physical capabilities. And therefore, visualization is most commonly known for its use in sports. So a lot of sports people use it to help with their performance, particularly when it comes to really high pressured, um, high powered competition. Now, in clinic terms, I use it to help people practice for events that they're anxious about, which can make it really, really powerful for things like if you're nervous about public speaking and you're about to give a talk or getting on a plane if you have a plane phobia or, as we've just discussed, going to a party when you have a social anxiety. All of these different things we can use mind over matter to help us with. Interestingly as well, mind over matter can be used to control pain. So in the UK, um, I know that a lot of you listen to this from America, but in the UK anyway, somebody with chronic pain can get sessions through the NHS and also privately through therapists like myself to actually teach them ways to control pain. So this can be done a number of different ways. This can be through hypnosis, this can be learning self-hypnosis, this can be through meditation and mindfulness, all sorts of things like that that give clients the tools to moderate their own pain levels. So how does mind over matter work? The simple answer to this really is that it's to do with your attention. There's a lot of stuff going on around us all of the time. And your brain can't respond to everything. It has to be selective as to where it accepts stimulation from. So in the example of the alcohol-free party, the people taking part in the experiment would have been processing a huge number of stimuli from their surroundings, from social engagements, the atmosphere, and of course what they were consuming. Now for most people their intention would have been on enjoying the party, uh, taking part in normal activities that you do at a party, making sure they see their friends, making sure they have fun. That's what their attention would be on. They wouldn't necessarily be stopping and analysing or even questioning whether or not what they were drinking had alcohol in it. It would be something that they would have just assumed. Whilst they're absorbed in that party atmosphere, they would then be falling back on old neural patterns of behaviour. So if they've been to a party before, they would happily fall back into those patterns of behaviour. 
if they've never been to a party before, they might be acting in a way that they've seen on television or just seen drunk people acting. And that's how incredible the brain is. But it has to make some assumptions in order for it to process everything that's going on around it. And in this case, the assumption that it made was that, like all other parties, this keg party had normal beer. And so, as per normal, you would act in a certain way and you would expect to feel in a certain way. When it comes to controlling pain levels, Diverting attention away from the pain is a really key aspect of learning to control it. And this is what can have such a significant impact on the quality of life of that person. Because what happens is when somebody really dwells on and focuses on their pain, it becomes more and more intense because more of the brain is processing that stimulus. When their attention is elsewhere, the pain is reduced because they're engaged in something else. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be completely free of their pain. It doesn't necessarily mean that their pain will completely go away. But what it does mean is that it can become more manageable and it can give people the confidence to go and do things that will make them happier, make them feel better, which in itself will further reduce pain too. So it kind of seems really that mind over matter is kind of a good idea. It sounds like it can be really helpful to us. It can help us feel better. It can help us um, manage our pain. It can help us perform better. The alcohol-free party is a funny example, but it can also mean that we need to take less medications and things like that. So how could that be a bad thing? Well, there are actually some negative consequences of mind over matter. And the first one, probably the most obvious in a way, is what we call the nocebo effect. And this is the opposite of the placebo effect. So when it comes to the nocebo effect, the mind can cause physical change, but in this case, it's damaging to the person. So examples of this would be believing that medication won't work. We actually see the nocebo effect quite a lot in therapy and in healthcare, and we find that patients who don't like their therapist or their doctor, on average, don't get as good results as those who have a positive relationship. Another great example of this is people who read the side effects of medication and then start to feel them. When I was back at university many, many years ago, I vividly remember a lecturer talking about his mum and how whenever she got medication from the GP, she would go home and she would sit and read the leaflet, which obviously is a good idea, but she would also sit and read the side effects. And lo and behold, over the next couple of days, she'd start to experience them one by one. And one of the biggest challenges, I think, for this lecturer was trying to work out which ones were kind of actually being felt and which ones she thought she was feeling. Another aspect of mind over matter potentially not being such a great thing is if it leads you to ignore really important feedback from your body. So as I've mentioned already, as I'm recording this, I'm coming towards the end of my training for the, the virtual London Marathon. I keep calling it the London Marathon, but I'm, I'm doing it around Andover. Um, but it's still the virtual London Marathon. Now, any kind of training, physical activity, comes with a certain amount of aches or pains. Some of those you just need to push through. Some of them are potentially more serious. Now, I'm really, really lucky in that my husband is a sports chiropractor. So I can easily get advice that I trust, 
that I believe in, that has always helped me in the past. So that when I do start to struggle with issues, I can find out, is this an issue that needs to stop me from training? Or is this an issue that I should be pushing through? So that's really, really helpful. But the important thing here is that where mind over matter could cause problems is if it leads you to ignore pain that could develop into something more serious. Because there are sometimes, particularly with running, some quite serious injuries that you can cause yourself by continuing to work on something that's already weakened or injured. The challenge that we face here is learning what feedback you need to listen to and what you need to ignore. And obviously, if you can get advice that you trust, that's a really, really important aspect of it. Now, another aspect of mind over matter is negative thinking, which I cover a lot in loads of my episodes on negative thinking, what you can do about it, how you can change it. But this is a really good example of mind over matter that's gone a bit wrong. So some really good examples of this are things like thinking you can't do something without evidence, obviously, because it may or may not be true. Always thinking about the worst case scenario or really focusing on past failures and really allowing your mind to focus on those aspects of yourself or of a situation that are the worst aspects. There is a really, really good quote by Henry Ford. And the quote is, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And that's a quote that I've always found really, really useful. I mean, you can never be absolute about anything. There may be situations where you thought actually you'd be able to do it, but it turned out you couldn't. You might have to accept those, that's okay. But generally speaking, when I'm working with people who have anxiety, low confidence, low self-esteem, generally speaking, the problem is that they think worse of themselves than is actually accurate. So that makes a really different point of view, doesn't it? On the one hand, we've got mind over matter being this incredible opportunity to take control of your brain, take control of your body, to make it perform better, to make it not feel things that you don't want to feel. But then on the flip side, it can actually be a case of your brain tricking you into thinking that you can't do things, that things are too painful, things are too much, things are not possible, things are going to be bad. So I start to wonder within myself when I'm running whether mind over matter really is the right statement to use because often I think it's really more mind over mind in a way. But the mind over matter saying still is quite a useful one. So is it a good idea? That was the original question. Is mind over matter a good idea? Well, at this point, I've been through some pros and I've been through some cons. So actually, in many ways, I'd be very interested to know what you guys think. So you have a choice, really. You're welcome to pop me an email. It's Siobhan at ymyb.co.uk. Or you can find me on my social media channels. If you're on Instagram, I'm at anxiety.2.confidence. If you're on Facebook, I am at anxiety2confidence as well. If you're on Twitter, I am at anxietyhypno. So feel free to go on there, message me, let me know what you think about whether or not mind over matter is actually a positive or a negative thing. I am going to give you my opinion. My opinion is that mind over matter is actually neither good or bad. It's an option and it's a choice that you can make. And what I would challenge anyone to do, and something that has been very beneficial for me, 
is to try and build up enough self-awareness to understand when you might be using it in a negative way for you. Because when you start to notice and understand that you're using it in a negative way for you, you can choose to do it in a positive way instead. So that's my opinion on the subject, but I would really love to hear your thoughts on it too. Now, before I go, I am going to do a bit of a shameless plug for my marathon effort because I'm doing it to raise money for a local charity that means a huge amount to me. I'm very lucky to volunteer for the Andover Riding for the Disabled Association branch. And what this means is basically that I help help the RDA teach. I work with children from a couple of our local special schools to ride horses, to learn some basic pony management skills, to basically have the opportunity to experience horses in a really positive way. And it really does seem to teach them so much. So they often learn things like empathy, which is really helpful for our children that have behavioural issues. It teaches them so much in terms of asking the horse nicely what they want them to do and also helps them build strength as well. So we often work with children who really struggle to sit up in the saddle on their own, but after a few weeks are starting to not only sit up, but take the reins, be able to hold on to things as well. So it's incredibly rewarding. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put my fundraising link in the description of this podcast. Now I understand at the moment things are a bit tricky around the world so please don't feel obliged to donate if it's going to cause you any difficulties but if you do have even a few pounds or a few dollars or whatever spare and you'd be happy to donate and support my marathon effort then it would be of huge gratitude from me I would really really appreciate it it would be really exciting especially as unfortunately because of the Covid pandemic the RDA haven't been able to do uh, any of their rides. They've recently gone back to doing a couple of their adult rides. But of course, all the horses and ponies are still needing looking after. So any help that you can give would be absolutely hugely appreciated. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this little bit at the end. I look forward very much to chatting to you again next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. You can find more information and my extensive blog at www.anxietytoconfidence.com. That's the number two, anxietytoconfidence.com.